evening, everyone. Welcome to GCP. It's WCW 2000 time once again, and we're in the month of November. Actually caught up with this, like fully. We got there. We got there at the end. We're only about four days out from when it actually happened. So yeah. we, we are now, Chris, uh, the one and only Chris Wilson. Hello, Chris. Oh, hello there. Yeah, introductions done a lot. Glad um, to be back, yes, for another round of WCW 2000, the 11th round to be precise. Are you, are you still loving Hull? Uh, loving Hull? <laughs> no, no, I'd say it's um, quite nice over there. It's like Grinsby, but 20 years later. <laughs> I look forward to Grinsby in 20 years. It probably a bomb site. Well, it probably still is. I mean, it probably will be a bomb site still then as well, yeah. So, um, before we get into WCW today, um, we're going to talk about, um, we've both got Spotify. I'd love to I'd love to know what your top five were for the year. Yeah, I, I, so this was an interesting year, because normally every single year for the last, well, since Spotify have been doing these, in all fairness, uh, my top band has always been Manic Street Preachers, except this year. Everything must go and change um, your number one. I did, yes, yeah. Uh, this year we're only in second place because uh, this year, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, which, in all fairness, they did literally release two 75-minute albums this year in, in like the space of four months. So obviously you listen to those two a couple of times and suddenly it takes like an insurmountable lead. So yeah. So it was those two, followed by Alter Bridge, which they had a new album out only last month, in all fairness. Actually, like, in my opinion, their best album for about bloody hell, 15 years. You weren't just playing Metalingus on repeat, were you? You know, uh, you know like Edge returned, at, well, he had his uh, entrance at Clash of the Castle. I thought, oh, I've got to play that, because I know yeah. I did. <laughs> oh yeah, no. And, uh, I walk around. I have like people like like fire extinguishers, and I walk through them right, as as better lingus plays. Well, I'd have one through going. Alter Bridge or Creed? Uh, Alter Bridge for me. No, it's, to be fair, I quite I quite like Creed in a way where I like the music, but it also makes me laugh a lot because of how unironically stupid it is. I get a kick out of it and I also get a good laugh out of it as well. Um, yeah, but Alter Bridge, I've, been a, I've actually been a big fan of ever since hearing Metalingus on Monday Night Raw, asking my friend, who is that? And they said, this is all on MSN, by the way, which shows how long ago this was. They said, oh, a bridge. And I was like, that's Creed? And, um, and since then, um, I've been a big fan. And, yeah, I must say as well, because uh, I, I listened to him quite a lot earlier this year as well. That's because Edge came out to another song, you know, when he turned bad guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Called, and it was their uh, tune as well, weren't it? It was. It's called The Other Side from uh, track three from um, The Last Hero, their 2016 album. Oh, dear. Oh um, yeah, so, so I gave the album quite a bit of a revisit uh, around that time again, so it all accumulated. And then number four for me was Muse, the new album out game this year. It was only okay, as most as their albums have all been since the 2009. Last, the, yeah, the last couple, I will say, not not brilliant. 
I don't think they've had, they haven't had a truly brilliant album since Black Holes of Revelations, uh, but I quite like The Resistance as well. Yeah, The uh, Resistance is that the one with, um, was it Uprising? Do, 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 which ironically is my most hated Muse song. It, it, it sounds like the uh, theme tune to the US Masters on <laughs> BBC Two. Does, yeah, yeah. Everyone says it sounds like Dots Who on Ketamine or something like that. But for me, Uprising, that was when Muse became a bit, not shit, but, you know, that's when their quality albums ended because once they realised that song worked, most of their tracks since have been quite pompous, have been quite over the top, and that's because Uprising worked so well. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, it was a real turning point. As a result, I absolutely hate that song. they become very much a big stadium act. If you have done, which... I mean, I mean just before that point, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but they could have been a stadium act squad still put absolute cracking tunes like Knights of Sidonia, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they didn't have to become really plodding in, in their epicness either, but it is what it is. And, uh, oh, yeah, number five was Franz Ferdinand. I, I saw Franz Ferdinand uh, only last month, as discussed on the podcast, actually, uh, last month, funny enough. Uh, so I was giving all their albums a revisit. Uh, about September, October time. So yeah, my top five. So my top five. Do you want yep. to hear pod- podcasts? Top five podcasts. Number five. It's funny with Spotify because my account got hacked earlier in the year. Say, same as me, FPL team. I was going to say, is it the same guy? Did, did we all make about 68 substitutions of that one as well? I probably did. So yeah. I, I think I lost quite a bit of data. But... Yeah. So, my top five would have been like RochdaleFC.com podcast would have been in there, but mm. I think um, give up around about um, May. So, it would have been in there. But the top five are all wrestling, lo and behold. Of course. Of course. Number five, Euro Graps Express um, for Neil David and his uh, cheese thoughts. Uh, mm. Generally, uh, these uh, four and five I do listen to on the bus, as people know. Um, number four, must see matches, which is uh, Kieran and uh, Mark Buckled is uh, you know, great show that one. Uh, got a wide range of guests. Three, like a dog licking its own ass. GCP. Uh, well, so you listen to yourself. They, well, it, well, 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 hey, I don't know. But buddy, um, half a Brit, half a Brit rest asked me to listen back to my own work. <laughs> <laughs> Shame it's still not edited. Sorry, lads. Yes. All oh, 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 the shots being fired again. Yeah. Oof, yeah. Uh, number two, <laughs> Grapple Spotlight. Well, I said with these, they would have been number one because, because I actually listened to them mainly through the Patreon app or watch the live shows on YouTube. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, so number one is uh, John and Way, Paul's mm, Rest. Okay. But I will say with Paul's wrestling, I've not listened to him for the last month or two, just because I've not got. Don't I don't feel like I have enough time sometimes. No, 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 no. I mean, I don't have a podcast one down, uh, FYI, just because I I listen to podcasts on Pocket Casts instead. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also, honestly, I don't listen to many wrestling podcasts uh, these days. Yeah, yeah. I listen to Grapple when I can. I listen to yours. Uh, when I can, but I just it's, it's more of a time thing more than anything. And my interest in 
current wrestling particularly is at an absolute all-time low, unfortunately. You know, it's the closest since uh, I became a fan in 1998 full-time where I'm just like, I'm not even asked about wrestling anymore, unfortunately. But one of those, really. Um, before we get into the top five of my uh, music for the year, um, to date this podcast, Argentina have got a penalty after Wojciech Szczesny has just uh, punched um, Messi in the nose. Just like no, they're going to try and um, save it, a high cross, and he's bumped him in. No, so um, Messi's ready to take a penalty for Argentina. We look like probably deserved it. Um, so he's getting ready. But anyway, in the meantime, here are my top five music. Oh, I just updated this end. Uh, it's still Saudi Arabia nil, Mexico nil. I'm watching that match instead. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, Chesney saves. Nice. Good, pe- good pen as well. What Messi took. Good say by Chesney. Now is your chance, Saudi Arabia. Kill Mexico like you kill those journalists. Ooh. Um, <laughs> anyway, top five music. Number five, Doves. For some reason, it must be because I like listening to Pounding and Black and White Town. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but they've not done anything for years. But. I do, I do, I do, it's always them couple of songs out a bit of um, earworms, really. Did they release a new album like this year and it was like their first album in 10 years or something like that? Or did I imagine it? Um, yeah, I think you imagined it. They, I, I think they were. I've got to look at this. They were actually due to do a tour, but um, they sort of like quit. Oh, okay. Let's have but a this look. This was a couple of years ago, this. Oh, no, it all, I was slightly correct. So they brought out an album in 2020 called Universal One, and it was their first album in 11 years. Uh, in terms of chart placement, no, UK number one in all fairness. People mm. still people still care, fair enough. Number four, Kasabian. Good choice. Now I'm not listen. I'm not. I'm not listening to the new album, but is that I think out it's, yet? Yeah, no, it's out. It's out, but it's mainly because I went to see him in concert and I wanted to get back into listening to him. Yeah, and I no, no idea. Oh, number one again, fair enough. And number three, Hard Fi. I, I tell you what, because they were doing that return gig at the New Century Hall, I thought I'll absolutely smash listening to them, and I did. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I thought I heard that we had a reunion tour. That'd be the only way they top any. Well, converted any chat in twenty twenty two. There you go. Yeah, number two falls. They were saw yeah, in yeah. concert this year. Now, I will say with Falls, they, I, initially, wasn't a big fan of theirs, I thought. It was all arty-farty bollocks, like in the early years of them. Mm. But one of them over the last couple of years, I've really got into their music. They, I think they've got down pat, like, uh, more, like, more dancey indie music. But similar to what... Um, another band, a uh, favourite band of mine, did Friendly Fires. Back oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very similar to that. Yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, if I was the one where I've listened to all occasional ones, that sent to, the tracks that tend to get me, of like the chunky ones. So, what was it? Uh, what what went down? Was that what like? went down? Wake Me Up, In Degrees. Yeah, uh, Black Bull, uh, some of the recent ones. That, that was quite a nice, chunky, grungy sort of track. I, I quite like it when they like that. I, I, when I saw him at Castlefield Ball, I thought, fucking hell, they're re- like really good live. Yeah. Yeah. And number one is um, Wolf Alice. A fair play. Yeah. yeah. 
Now, I, I got introduced to these like maybe about five years ago. Like, oh, they're pretty like rocking. I've had a couple of years off from them, and I, I can't stop playing the music. <laughs> no, in all fairness, because when was, was it last year? Blue Weekend, though. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was last yeah, year, yeah. but yeah, Blue we- Weekend. To be fair, it got absolute rave reviews, and they were all quite justified. In all fairness, it was it was such a Really bloody good album. Yeah, I went to see him at the Apollo um, earlier mm. this year, and fucking brilliant. I, I, yeah. I, I like I liken the singer to um, um, bit, yeah, obviously a bit like No Doubt, Gwen Stefani. Yeah, yeah, that sort of like you know character lead lead leading lady of a band. Fucking mm. excellent. But the thing is with Spotify because I've got it on um, for free. So I have to go suffer through the adverts. So when it gets to like the end of like six songs, there's like adverts. But one of the other bands who I'm, I'm still really listening to is Bring Me the Horizon. Mm. Yeah. I, I I got into them only a, a few years ago, in all fairness. Um, it's all through the wrestling, in it? Can you feel my art? That was the one. And um, I think that played a lot into it for me, now that you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, because... In all fairness, it was one of those where I actually saw about five minutes of the Matt Leeds Festival in 2015. This was well before the Brit West stuff. And yeah. I was sort of like, I wasn't into them. I, I, I just had this, uh, they were like just poses or something like that. And I quite liked what they were doing with the stage and all that. Long, but I thought, oh no, sod this, I'm going to see Ash. Remember Ash? In, yeah. in, in like the small tent across where I went to see Ash instead. And to this day, I actually regret not sticking around for Bring the Horizon. Because obviously then they brought out um, That's the Spirit and uh, Dabo and all that lot. And, you know, I've really, really got into them since then. Yeah, it, like NXT, um, at, its po- at its peak, used quite a few of those tunes. Uh, Throne, A yeah, Wonderful yeah, yeah. Life. And I've yeah, seen, because yeah. um, they've got quite a bit of the rollout, but all concert, what they did on like, a few a couple of years ago on YouTube. And excellent, excellent mm. stuff. So yeah, yeah. That, that's my um, top five slash six. <laughs> but Man- Manic Street Preachers would have been in there like a while back. Yeah, yeah. I say, um, I mean, they're one of those bands were just when I can't think of anything to listen to, I just put on Manic Street Preachers. They must have been close to beating Red Hot Chili Peppers this year though, because they did a reissue of Know Your Enemy um, in September. You basically took. That album, which, if you're not aware, was quite a mixed album critically when it came out, because it followed up um, "This Is uh, This Is Your Truth," um, oh, "This Is My Truth," yeah. "Tell Me Yours," um, which was obviously like a very big blast, blockbuster album. It sold yeah. even more. What everything must go did. But they brought up this like really weird, like slightly punky, slightly Beach Boysy type album that nobody really got. And it's taken them 21 years and to reorder everything for it to all sort of make sense afterwards. I can't wait for the Lifeblood reissue. I know. I'm absolutely amped. <laughs> I'm the only person in the universe that loves that album. I, I bloody imported the Japanese version of that album for the B-sides, I'll have you know. My Seriously. first ever my, my, my first ever gig was that Lifeblood tour. And half, em, half, half empty Manchester evening. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think... They've done what I read at all, certainly since I've been a big fan of them. And even then, this was like 2014, even then it was like lower ball only. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the days of selling out Millennium Stadium on bloody 
no New idea. Year's Eve, the New Year's Eve night, night, night. We're long, long gone by the time we got to Lifeblood. One last thing. One of the songs that turned up in my top five songs was uh, James Bond of Frustration. Fucking cracking tune, even though he's like 30-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember what turned up my top five now. Let's just see if we can find them. Sure, took screenshots and all of it. There's nothing too interesting. I, I tend to have this um, tendency just to, when when I listen to like a new song and I really like it, I'm just like, oh yeah, I listen to that over and over again. Yeah, you know, like my top song this year was a song called Beguiled by the Smashing Pumpkins f- from an album that I basically got about 12 minutes into it and I thought, no, this is absolutely... Yeah. I think I think you went a bit there, Chris, but you did say bollocks and shite. <laughs> yes, there you go, there you go. That's all you need to know. Bollocks and shite. Speaking of, how's that for a segue? Yes, uh, for you listeners, if you love that fifteen minutes of chat about music, sadly we're going into WCW two thousand. <laughs> uh, as we, we we get into mayhem season, so TV show highlights. Are you ready for this now, Chris? It's uh, October 30th, 2000, Nitro. Was it another four weeks of TV, eight episodes this time? So a lot shorter run, thankfully. Um, it is a lot shorter run, um, but, yeah, there's... I will say the TV isn't bad. Um, we saw that, that formula of not many wrestlers, but we stick them in the same old matches. Yeah, yeah, it's um, we're very much still in, in post Russo WCW now. Yeah, and um, yeah, obviously they fix it in a period that we're probably not going to get into in in two thousand one, uh, where things actually start turning around. But this is very much this and heading to Starcade is very much their transition period. Yeah, and it's sort of like the way until the January transfer window, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've got, we've, got, we've got to get through with this uh, bad squad that the last man, last regime left. Yeah, and lo and behold. Sounds, sounds like Rochdale. Yeah, but I say, lo and behold, here comes a road warrior animal hanging out a car window. <laughs> so, um, a new WCW CEO is to be revealed on the show. Um, I wonder who that could be. Well, someone who's related to the new CEO then comes out. It's David Flair. He supposedly um, gets uh, the DNA results, you remember, from um, Buff Bagwell. I'd say that's pretty fucking quick turnaround DNA results, but okay. Yeah, so um, it says Marcus Bagwell is 99% not the father. Nope. So after this, um, M.I. Smooth, you remember him, old ice train. Yep. Choo-choo. so he initially like said he knew who the father were. Um, so he, he ends up having a match with David Flair, which ends with Smooth hitting the big Smooth splash in a bubble bomb for one, two, three. It makes sense. But everybody Smooth's like three hundred and fifty pounds. David Flair's hundred and fifty pounds soaking wet. Yeah, it, so. the the, sto- the storyline during this month is basically David Flair thinking he's got the father, he's got the results and everything. And it's just some another wrestler comes out and like, I'll prove you I'm not the father. Right. I think one of them's like Rey Mysterio. Oh yeah, okay. Well, I'm about to say you'd be thankful that he wasn't the father of that one. Have you seen how Dominic turned out? 
well, Dominatrix Mysterio now, isn't yeah. it? Although maybe it's the uh, reverse way. Or maybe David Flair is um, Dominic's father and explain his in-ring ability. Ooh. Meow. Meow. Shoot our head tonight, folks. Jimmy R. Advert now challenging radio DJs to wrestling matches. Okay, yeah. And you know what You know what it ends up being, Chris? The same one he faced at Spring Stampede in April. Because no one... <laughs> No other radio DJs could be asked. Um, do, do you think they're trying to go, oh, what if Howard Stern says yes? When Howard Stern's like, fuck off, I have far more of a million um, listeners than what you've got viewers. How does this benefit me whatsoever? Exactly. And so the new CEO is Ric Flair. 12 months later, he will become WWE CEO in a storyline with Vince McMahon. Mm. Ah, yeah. The ear. For, for, for benefit of people uh, listening, is doing the uh, Vince Van Earpool uh, gif. Good God. Um, there's a WCW title freeway on this match uh, with uh, Scott Steiner versus Mike Orson versus Booker T. Now, mm. as I said before, there's all there's about five main eventers, and they just face each other every day. Yeah. Just every combination has been done, even yeah. in the last two months, Chris. Because bear in mind, wasn't this supposed to be just Mike Austin against Booker T, but then Scott Steiner basically got his way in due to the DQ finish, was it? Yeah, something Yeah, like. it, it basically like that. It was basically who gets to pin Mike Awesome. Uh, then that was the match. Well, lo and behold, Booker T wins when he sidekicks Steiner out of the ring, leading him, leading him. Free to beat Mike Awesome. There you go. The pin. Um, it was a good solid 10 minute main event. Booker, after the match, still um, offers Steiner another match for another time. I just put in brackets a fool. Yeah, I mean, nope. I, I would not challenge a guy of Steiner's size and mentality to a match. That is fucking stupid. Run away while you can. November 1st, Thunder now. Uh, so we have. The WCW staple of the time, the Free Count versus the Young Dragons. But at this point, uh, Free Count look like they are ready to break up, mainly mm. due to Evan Courageous being shit. Hmm. Basically, he never we'll get, got he, he never got signed by WWE, did he? I don't think he was a carryover from. I'll check. You know, there was that famous WCW twenty four for guys under contract who actually kept on. And I know about 15 of them never actually made on TV itself, but I can't remember if he was in that list. I can't what? remember him even being on, like, a metal or a jacked or a velocity. So, what's very... Oh, he was signed, uh, actually. He was uh, he was sent to developmental, never made it on there. But what's really funny is I actually remember... This is a weird memory to have. I remember Evan Courageous having a match on metal slash jacked in 1998. Ah. Uh, and, and his name was spelled courageous as in properly, you know, the one beginning with C, that courageous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really weird that I remember that. No idea why. At least say didn't win. Well, uh, Evan Courageous stole a pin to win the match <laughs> <laughs> on the Young Dragons. I... It was your typical free count Young Dragons match. Yeah. But it, it was a lot like more to do with the uh, dissension between the uh, between free count. So in, in mean, turn, 
Helms and Moore turn on Evan Courageous. Then Liam Meow turns on Jamie San and removes his mask to reveal Jamie Noble, boy. It was Jamie Noble all along. What? Yeah, I think it's Mark Madden who points out, bloody hell, it was a white man playing a Japanese fella. I mean, yeah, it was. But say, as far as calls go, you are correct, Mark Madden. I mean, that will be seen as quite inappropriate, especially 22 years later. So it ends, It turns out like... Um, so they have a match at the pay-per-view, which we'll yeah, obviously get into, which is um, Helms and Moore versus... Um, Two, no, the, the two young dragons versus the two lads who just been booted out of their respective yeah. trios. I mean, in all fairness, I think from now until the end of WCW, basically it's these six facing each other one way or another until Shane Helms breaks away and gets his own push towards the yeah. end. But yeah, yeah. So this is just basically a continuation of a feud that's been happening all summer anyway. Yeah. I can um, sort of see the plan that we're trying to do, which is to rebuild the Cruiserweight division around five guys that can actually wrestle really well and Evan Courageous, but obviously we run out of time. Yeah. And the natural-born thrillers explode as Palumbo and Stasiak um, settle it out. It doesn't happen, though, as Chuck doesn't come out. Now, this is a lot of um, build-up to, like, um, an inevitable um, turn on someone. You know what? You know what they could be, Chris? What's that? S-O-L. And we know what that means. Oh, that, that, all, through, they, all through this month. Chris. I mean, not to jump well ahead, but they even try and get it over during a video package of a tag title match. And I'm just uh, thinking, people are not going to flock to the arenas to hear Mike Sanders go, and that's so well, and you know what that means. Like, it's a ah. fucking crap saying. <laughs> not catchy whatsoever. It's hardly, it's hardly, oh, you didn't know, or anything like that. It's just... Nothing. It's just absolutely nothing. But yeah, they tried so hard. Probably harder than getting the actual wrestlers themselves over this catchphrase. They gave it a go. They did. It's like many of Chris Jericho's catchphrases, isn't it? Oh, his modern ones, yeah. The influence of the Grand Wizard, whatever he is this week. I, I didn't watch AEW at the minute, but he's probably had another six. He's, uh, he's, the, he's currently the old show. The what? Oat show? Old show, like eight. Like eight-time champion, the old show. Oh right, okay. I, I thought it meant like it was like a bag of Quaker oats or something like that. Just imagine him in one of them Quaker hats, couldn't you? Yeah. Oh dear. Courage, baby. Come, baby. He um, did you see his mass singer performance? You know what? Someone was going to send me a link to that. We never did. I'm going to have to have a look at this. Yeah, he, he uh, did the old um, what Rick called. Smash Mouth one, somebody wants to me. And you, the thing is, you can tell straight away it's Jericho. Cause yeah, I wonder, I wonder, I'm, I'm going to have a quick uh, sneaky uh, while you do this now. I wonder, was it, was it just like a pink dinosaur? Yeah, that's that one. That's the one. I, I'm going to see if we can keep it up for one minute. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it shows this guy's his voice and it's just it's doing a, come on, baby, basically. Yeah, he's absolutely, that's absolutely shocking. <laughs> it's just him doing a white wedding. Yeah. Oh, dear. Did you actually guess who it was or did we just go afterwards? Oh, I, 
I don't know who this person is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it turns out the audience goes, of course it's Chris Jericho. And yeah, and I think every, I think everyone guessed it with Jericho, but it, unlike the UK version, oh, is it? Um, Oh, it's Giles Brandreth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, uh, I'd say Giles Brandreth over Chris Jericho. The Ayatollah of rock and roll, Giles yeah. Brandreth. Uh, <laughs> the main event anyway, Chris. Um, you thought it was safe to go back into the water. It's Vampiro and Sting in a match together again. See, I've, I thought this Vampiro had been written out after his match against uh, Mike Awesome, this, this really fucking took me back. Well, was this another me... instance of a wrestler ignoring his concussion symptoms, and so it was too late, like Bret Hart did? Ooh, well, yeah, yeah. Um, Jeff Jarrett and Vampiro versus Mike Awesome and Sting. Who do you think? Who do you think wins, Chris? Well, it's uh, Sting versus Vampiro, so uh, Mike Awesome and Sting. Uh, well, yes, it is. Um... Vampiro gets pinned in a match involving Stingers again. Awesome pins Vamp with an awesome bomb. Oh, he took another awesome bomb after he, his massive concussion, for fuck's sake. Yeah. The lack of understanding about concussions just 20 years ago is quite, frankly, it's monstrous, to be fair. Good grief. Next up, November 6, 2000, Nitro. Um, Lex Luger calls Mark Madden a fat fucker. Well, not exactly them words, but it, it was... I mean, it's not wrong, though, is he? <laughs> yeah, so um, Lex Luger, his hairline is receding, the blonde eye has been out, and um, it ends up with Goldberg challenging uh, Luger to a match. I mean, do I talk about Lex Luger's look right now, or do I save it for Mayhem? Because he is not in good shape here. He it's looks not, in a no. bad way. Don't get me wrong, he's still got... That impressive physique, but you can also tell that physique is sort of falling away from him. Uh, yeah, a bit too much injecting, not enough work in the gym. Is it going into old roid belly? Basically, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's quite clear here. He's abusing all the drugs in the world and his body can't take it anymore. Until, um, I think it was, it was WWE, those shows that with friends have reviewed before. He, and he looks like shit there. He, um, we, you uh, gave yeah. him the ideas, Chris. <laughs> I gave him this idea at BWR about four months ago. You, you just, did, you did. did, yes, yeah, yeah. Who knows? We might do a bit of a world wrestling all stars. Oh, god, oh, god. Um, I just want to watch some wrestling, <laughs> just want to watch TNA 2005. Again. Yeah, I want to watch actual matches and all that lot. Ric Flair comes out and says Mayhem 2000 will be one of the greatest pay-per-views we have seen in recent memory. He was always full of shit, Ric Flair, though, wasn't he? It's one of the greatest nights in the history of our sport. Um, yeah. Shivani always used to say. Right. Making his bel- uh, belated return now, it's the one and only Diamond Dallas Page. Hmm. Who um, takes um, offence to the Battle Dome Warriors so, oh, for oh, fuck's sake! Battle Dome Warriors. I was thinking, were these like the like the gladiator upmarket gladiators? Or? Yeah. So, so what this was, and um, again, it was something would have passed you by because you didn't have um, Diamond Cable. I think when you were younger, because this battle sh- Battle Dome was shown on Bravo over here. I know because I watched it, obviously. Mm. Um, 
So, yeah, so intense purposes, it was a much blander, slightly more convoluted version of Gladiators. Obviously, they had the American Gladiators, so it's sort of like a take on that. And it just wasn't very entertaining at all. I think I watched like about four or five episodes and I was just like, uh, I'm not really loving this at all. When I was thinking Battle Dome and that, I was thinking of another ITV show, Ice Warriors. I enjoyed that show. Yeah, I it think was, they built, I think it, they built it, it, it was built it like either Sheffield or the Nine X Arena. I I want to save it for my Nottingham, which I will I will double check that one. Yeah, bloody hell, if that takes me back. Yeah, I, I used to love Ice Warriors because yeah. <laughs> obviously Gladiators was the big thing. It was a huge yeah. success. And they try always tried to find that next thing, which was like Gladiators, and there was like Ice Warriors, Celebrity mm. Rest. Uh, yeah, it's until Ninja Warrior. Uh, Ice Warriors, by the way, was uh, Manchester Arena that was yeah. filmed at. Um, Gladiators were obviously Birmingham NEC. Although I need to check tickets as well. Uh, they're filming the new Gladiators at Sheffield Arena next year. Exactly enough, so that's pretty doable for me. Ooh. Oh, oh, hmm. I might be interested in that one. Um, yeah, I'll keep it out for tickets. Let's just say that. Good stuff. Um, so, yeah, he gets into a bit of a do with the Battle Dome Warriors. We also have on this show Bam Bam Bigelow versus Bill Goldberg. Goldberg with a bad hamstring. Spears and Jackhammers bite Bigelow. One, two, three. Then, like, Bigelow's made a, a, another comeback again. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like, right, we, we need someone to feed to Goldberg while, like, Luger, Luger at the pay-per-view, and a lot of it is Bigelow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so the, the, the uh, Bang Bang Bigelow push of 2020, late 2020, is an odd one, as we'll get into it. Oh, you, mean, you mean late, tw- late 2000, not 2020? Oh, uh, you know, I mean, it would have been a bit weird 2020, considering it was a bit dead, but yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> Fucking hell, will they give him another push in the fucking furnace or something like that? <laughs> Jesus oh, yeah. Christ. Yep. Uh, anyway, WCW title now. Um, Kevin Nash versus Booker T. With five minutes left to go in the programme, Chris. Mm, okay. Happened, well, well, Booker T won, obviously, I think. Uh, I think we're safe uh, past Russo-style booking for Booker to lose it right away again to Nash. Yeah, this was part of the whole thing with um, Natural Born Fillers, wasn't it? With um, Sean Stasiak. Getting the main event push. Jesus Christ, okay. So he um, gets involved, um, nails both. Boy, it's Nash last. And they obviously turned turned on the leader. And then uh, drags Booker over to pin uh, Kev. Yeah. In, in four minutes, 32 seconds. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, the thing was, Kevin Nash was uh, SOL. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry for that, listeners. It, it, I had to put up with it all the way through this mum's telly. Mm. So you'll probably put up with my... Uh, yeah. November 8th, Thunder now. David Flair accuses Rey Mysterio of being the father of Stacey's baby. 
He isn't. Match follows up where Ray wins easy. That's all we need to know. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Do you think David Flame stuck Ray Mysterio for his baby, considering the size of him? Maybe so. And and how he looks like a twelve year old. Ooh. Well, he also mistaken that Poland have gone one nil down against the Argies. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, I don't know who scored because the scorer looks like he's been mobbed. Um, I will tell you in a moment. As angled Di Maria on the wing. Ooh, he could be a nutsack offside. It is. I think it's Julian Alvarez, you know. Okay. No, it isn't. It's number 20, whoever that is. Um, anyway, the natural born thrillers um, actually all turn on Kevin Nash on this uh, on this show. Um, so uh, I think they're all in the ring and then, yeah, just fully, fully turn on him. They, yeah. they do say he's, um, you know. He's uh, so well. Uh... What's I always remember this angle lasting, you know, Coach Nash lasted for longer than what it did. I think it's been about five weeks. Yeah, he had his favourites though. He liked he liked Chuck Palumbo. Yeah, he was sort of like his uh, his favorite his favourite person in the um, thrillers. It was uh, Alexis McAllister who scored for um, Argentina there. But um, yeah, you, you get the beat down goes on, and Booker T comes out to save uh, Big Kev. Yeah, it sort of freshened up the uh, natural born thrillers because I did think they were sort of dragging their heels a bit over the last couple of months. Yeah, if it's, if it's certainly need a reboot, especially after bloody Tigers pinned the ball. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah after four brawl. So I think putting them with Nash and now we're in this feud for the next couple of months, it sort of it helps repair them. And I think they realise. That for better or worse, this is the future WCW. I'm going to need to build around these guys a bit better. So, a fair play to them. And to be fair, fair play for Nash and DDP for actually working with these guys. Unlike Lex Luger, who just buggered off home as soon as he heard he was going to have to do the job to Chuck Palumbo back in back it in did, June. Yeah. So, at least people are trying a bit better now to help improve WCW a bit. Hmm. I mean, uh, it, next... in my opinion, they, they weren't the guys. I, I don't think we ever, none of them were ever like under pushed or anything like that. You know, the way things turned out for all the wrestlers, uh, yeah. you know, in the years afterwards. But yeah, it's one of those really. Next up, another WCW title match as Mike Awesome faces Booker T. During this, Awesome suplexes Booker through a table, but only gets a two. Um, the tide turns when Awesome misses a splash off the top. Uh, you have a bookend by Booker to retain the title. Uh, I did put really solid TV match. For me, Booker T's reign had some good matches, same with Awesome being just under that top level. That the initial feeling like about Mike Awesome's WCW run is like yeah. he think it was shit. But I I do think over over time he was always given that like just under the top level. He was. I mean he was settled with a couple of bad gimmicks, and I think that's because Russo, and in all fairness, Russo's probably correct, realised it just wasn't a very good promo. So there was only a certain level that Mike Awesome could ever go to. But no, they always did keep him strong, despite, you know, that 70s guide and, and all the other gimmicks going up. They, they did an all right job with him. We have an announcement next that um, 
Bob Sapp has joined WCW. Oh, God, I remember this one. That was a weird moment in time, but never ever came to anything. Yeah, I was thinking, hmm, I never saw him on uh, on telly. But no. EWR's favourite Bob Sapp, by the way. Uh, yeah, I, I think all the results signed him up right away for all his stats on there. Yeah, they, they actually cut this bit out of, um, you know, the... Um, the network version, but you hear Shivani talking about, oh, Bob Sapp, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So we have um, next up a three-way match. Goldberg versus Lex Luger versus Bam Bam Bigelow, um, which has Chronic coming out and choke slamming the ref and just walking off. The match starts. Yeah. With, obviously, the Chronic stuff's a bit pointless. Luger walks out and leaves Bama to uh, take the jackhammer one, two, three times two because the first time Goldberg tried to lift him up and just like plonked him on his head. <sighs> fair. <laughs> well, not fair, if you know what I mean. He's a big lad, old Bama's. Yeah, so, yeah, this feud with Goldberg, Luger, just, oh, hello. Mexico, Mexico. Scott. Yes, I, I am two minutes behind, but they have just scored on my feed. They probably don't announce you one. Uh, I'll just forgive it a couple of minutes because of the iPad delay. But no, there you go. So it's looking like Argentina, Mexico go through so far. Arriba. Uh, Thankfully. Yeah, uh, Goldberg, 16-0 and 0 now. He's racking up the wins. It's funny. I think this is about two weeks before the pay-per-view and he suddenly goes from 16-0 and 0 to 25-0 and 0 at the pay-per-view. Right, yes. Looking, uh, 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 fixing mm. the numbers, uh, inflating it, but to be fair, I think there's a couple of nitros coming up where he pins about four people each episode, so because uh, yeah. I'm sure half the recaps of Mayhem were just like, Oh, yeah, he pinned Mike Sanders and Kiwi and Buff Bagwell and someone else on apparently the same nitro, yeah. Or just to um, give you an update, Mexico are actually third in the table on goal difference, are they? Yes. They're on the oh. same points as Poland, but uh, yeah, goal difference. Oh, Poland beat uh, Saudi Arabia 2 0. Right, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, sorry. Um, November 13th, Nitro from Jolly Old London, Wembley Arena. Here we go. I think this first match uh, involves uh, one of my favourite spots ever. Well, what I, what I was going to say watching this, I was thinking AEW. For you know, you know, like the when you like when they're coming over here, probably yeah, yeah. Them running like the Wembley Arena, and it's similar to WCW when business were down, they, they eventually come over here and got a huge. Oh, wait, no, no, I, I get what you're getting at, yeah, yeah, because obviously, um, AW because they only run about five markets, no one's interested in sitting on five hours worth of dark matches anymore, yeah. I'll tell you what, if you're listening, Tony Carver, a way to improve things the right ways to have a concise show. People want to have a good time in and out within three hours. You don't need other, you don't need dark and dark elevation. Thinking, and that uh, page. When TNA filmed over here, they'd give us about half an hour of explosion matches, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah. I always remember Mark Andrews and Osprey. Yeah, it, it was always like a couple of matches of explosion, and then it was two episodes take back to back, wasn't it? Yeah, 
which is which is fine, but yeah, obviously from the sounds of it, AEW are basically running five hours on a Wednesday night. It's stupid. But no, yeah, no, no, to be fair, I thought you were going to say about them running Wembley Arena, but I do think AEW's hot enough still for them to go straight to Craven Cottage for the first time. Mm. Yeah, I, no, it could, could sell out that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I put it on record. I, I said, I think I said this when you were over for BWF for a week, but I'll put it on audio, you know, for the record. I, I think AEW sells out that first day if it if it's at Craven Cottage. So I just think people over here are clamouring for them so much. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, they don't then start going doing going to Craven Cottage every single year, or or in Tony Khan likes to go back to places every two months. <laughs> Otherwise, it wouldn't work. You do for like the big show first, then you then you whittle down to like your Wembley Arena slash Copper Box for your shows going forward after that. But yeah, yeah. Um, so we have the London Lethal Lottery. Yeah. Uh, so everyone comes out and um, they're announcing the teams. Scott Steiner gets a huge pop um, just with the mention of his name. So yeah. the four teams are Bam Bam Bigelow and Mike Awesome, oh. Scott Steiner and Sting. Yeah. The Bo- Boogie Nights. And um, Lex Luger and Booker T. But we find out like the Boogie Knights are uh, taken out of the uh, lottery and replaced with Chronic. Yeah. So, um, first up, uh, first match um, is Awesome and Big Love versus Steiner and Sting, which ends with uh, Steiner and Sting winning clean uh, when Steiner suplexes Awesome off the top and then Mm -hmm. locks it through a Kleiner. Sting and Steiner, they work very well as Mexico go 2 0 up. Uh, but yeah, Chris, what was this uh, first match you were on about? This is a Vito versus Crowbar in a hardcore match where uh, Vito stabs a crowbar on through a table with some food on it. And uh, Mike today goes, Oh, not for fish and chips. Burned into my memory. Oh, that was a very good goal as well. I've literally just got to it here for Mexico. Yeah. Was that a direct uh, free kick, was it? Nice, nice. Yeah, lovely. Um, so, what's it? After the bell, Bigelow attacks Mike Awesome. So, a bad night for Awesome. I was wondering how the hell Mike Awesome went from challenging for the title twice to um, get Bam Bam Bigelow at Mayhem, or does he? I was wondering how he got there. Fucking hell, that's a downgrade a bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Buggy Knights are taken out of the lottery, replaced with Chronic. So, it's Luger and Booker versus Chronic, uh, which ends up with um, Scott Steiner. Whacking Booker with a pipe, and you have the high time by uh, Chronic one, two, three, and Chronic are in the final. Also yeah, spotted sorry. in. Sorry, sorry, I will just quickly say that that free kick absolutely shits all over Marcus Fashion's one. Sorry, but uh, it's actually a fucking really good free kick. Hey, leave Mr. School Meals alone. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, no, he's a national treasure, but to be fair, half that last night was um, was water not um, being positioned properly. This was just like twat it over on straight to the top corner sort of goal. So, yeah, yeah. just to put that on the record as well. Yeah, so um, spotted in row two, hard camera, this uh, London Nitro was the one and only. He's made another appearance on one of our podcast shows. It's the one and only show stealer Alex Shane. Oh, God. <laughs> He just gets in everywhere, doesn't he? How? He is the British Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, he's a British something, that's for sure. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, he always turns. He always turns up on these uh, early two thousand shows. Yeah. Whether it be FWA, fucking everything. Fingers so, in many pies. 
Yeah, but I'm surprised he hasn't had on. Well, before he was cancelled, obviously, I'm surprised he didn't have like WWE Network, so Alex Shane on there. Well, yeah, it's literally the exact sort of thing you'd do. So the final, Chronic versus Scott Steiner and Sting. Winner gets um, a world title shot on Thunder. Who do you think won? I mean, I do remember this one to be fair. It was Scott Steiner and Sting for this one. It was when Sting Scorpion Death drops uh, Big Brian Clark. Yeah. For the victory. Um, not much to say on, well, on the Thunder. I think Sting beats Steiner. No, I think it's your way around. I think. Oh, yeah. If I remember rightly, Sting is basically written off after this episode until the last yeah. nitro. So this is it for Sting until the very, very end. Yeah, I, I actually, I actually cut out that episode because. Oh. Uh, like, hmm. Sorry, I'm, I stand, I'm just looking for the, uh, the results now. I stand corrected. Sting actually wins, but is then taken out yeah, by he was Steiner. A bit like a bat. Yeah, yeah. So Sting doesn't have his tart shot if you like that. Yeah, just. Um, yeah, but, but he's utterly destroyed. Because as we all know, as we've established everyone in this podcast a few episodes ago, Sting doesn't like to work over Christmas. He doesn't. He doesn't. I... It's getting to it's Christmas time. Oh. Stingy's off tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about to say for him, bloody hell, why not? November 15th, that's very close to Christmas for him. He's only got six weeks off until a big day now. Well, that turkey's not going to roast itself. I'm thinking when's he going to be taken out injured on AEW? I mean, is he, has he got a match this week? Has he? Him and Darby Allen? I think they, they might They might have. It, November 30th, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is yeah, the day so he gets taken out. Yeah, he's going to be battered by the firm. Battered? Hey, see what you did there? Hey, bat. See you in January, Steve. Bye. Bye. Uh, so November 20th, Nitro, just one um, happening on this one. Palumbo and Stasiak win the WCW tag titles from Alex Wright and his um, partner replacing uh, Disco Inferno, Elite Skipper. Really gets even better here because uh, the Boogie Knights actually won this in Oberhausen. They in, did, in, yeah. in Germany, yeah. Old Oberhausen. They didn't win it in the Turbine Alley. They won it in like the um, it, it, stadium at the Central, weren't it? Yeah, if you remember that big stadium that when we were there, I think it was the nineteen. It was both German together and massive posters for the upcoming David Hasselhoff concert. It did, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we've reached uh, WCW Mayhem 2000, um, November 26, coming in at two hours fifty-three minutes and eighteen seconds. On commentary, Tony Schiavone, Mark Madden, and Chris Wilson's favourite, Stevie Ray. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you've got, okay, Mike, uh, not Mike Hudson, Scott Hudson and Mike State aren't the most exciting commentators in the world, but they're actually competent. And then you've got these two shit houses in instead. you got Stevie Ray, who unfortunately is just not very good at it. And you've got Mark Madden, who should know better, as like a actual professional radio host all these years, mm. who is just the most absolutely shocking, most shocking commentator I've ever heard in my life. He is fucking rubbish in every single imaginable way. But apart from that, he's a nice fella. I, I've not, have you seen his Twitter? Oh, 
dreadful. I told him. I told him. Yeah, WWE never wanted you because you were shit. Yeah. Um, and he was like, "Oh, they never contacted me." Oh, fuck. oh yeah. There's a reason they don't contact you, pal. Fuck it out. Match number one now. Cruiserweight title. Queewee or Angry Alan Funk. Which one will we get? Um, who knows. <laughs> this is Mike Sanders, who's supposedly above average. Well, not according to my rating. Um, what do we think of this one, Chris? Uh, it is a bit of an odd match in that they basically spend about four-fifths of this match with constant interference of natural-born fillers, and then consequently, like, Ming runs down as well, to basically put over the gimmick for the rest of the night, which we will get into quite a lot. Yeah. In that, there'll be no more outside interference whatsoever. Rick Flair saying it's a new WCW, you know, no, no run-ins, none of this bollocks. Unless you've got a manager's or a valet license, you're not allowed out there. And this whole match is the setup of that, because it's absolute chaos. And it, it is the strangest thing because they spent all this time establishing like Mike Sanders is suddenly at a disadvantage because he's lost all his help. What's up? You know, Ming scared him off. Doug Dillinger just dragged them all out. And then Sanders wins clean. It is so fucking strange. Yeah. He had a, man, a, a move called the 3.0, which is, uh, I guess, is a gentleman's three or average, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, there's above average, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it was like a sort of backbreaker sort of move that sets is taking it back over another one's back, that sort of thing. It, it, it was an all right looking move, not any worse than the overdrive. But mm. yeah, yeah. It, it was so strange. It just the fish comes out of nowhere, like, because um, Paisley comes into a ring. There's a bit of a handspring elbow, so interference. Mark Madden rightfully wondering why it's not dis- disqualification. And then Sanders just like boots Kiwi in the face and then just does the move and that's it. Mm. And it's the first of a recurring theme of the night of the fucking strangest, flattest, cleanest finishes you will ever witness on a wrestling show. Yeah. The, I will say I will say this crowd is dead. Oh, yeah, they are not into this show whatsoever. All right. They react for a couple of big names. They react for Mankow, weirdly. We'll get into that. And they react for General Erection's win. But other than that, it is alarming how these people have shown up. They've paid good money to come see a wrestling show. And they're just sat there. And you can physically see them all bored out of their mind. Mm. Yeah, this this is pre-mobile phone. If mobile phones been around, you would see nothing but iPhones in front of their faces. Do, do, I I got the feeling of this show. It, it, I did say like the TV was uh, wasn't too bad what I saw. But yeah. I got the feeling with this show it was it's three hours long and it felt hard to watch. It wasn't because of the crowd and also. I, I thought to myself, I thought to myself, like halfway through, you can tell it's dying. Yeah, yeah, you can tell it's dying. I think the problem we've got here is that uh, they're like running the market, but no one ever runs as well. It's like Milwaukee, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah, I, you can you can tell it's a market WWF doesn't run, and it's a market that people sat there wish. I've sat there wishing this was WWF instead, and it's not. It's just this 
weird sort of product going on. We're very much back in, you know, that remember January, February time where it really felt like WSW was in the transition period again. And as a result, everything felt a bit dead again. We're back yeah. here. We're back here after it's like, after all this Russo Bischoff sort of thing, only six months ago, we're back here once again. It's an inert, dormant product's not going anywhere. And it is very reflective of this crowd all night. They do not give one shit whatsoever. You wonder why the bomb's showing up. Yeah. Um, what rating for this match? Just the one. If there's all sorts of there's too much bollocks going on to really care what's about for the actual match. Two. I gave it. It's fair. Match number two. Uh, probably best match of the night. Three count Elms and Moore versus Jamie Noble by. And Evan Courageous versus the Young Dragons with Leia. Meow. Um, what do you think of this one, Chris? It, it's just typical fair. They try a lot, don't they? Yeah, they, they do try. I mean, they do get a couple of... Oh, no, sorry. I thought at one point they got a really good reaction, but I remembered it's because Leia Meow stripped off and jumped off the top rope and, you know, boobs. That's the only reaction they got here. Um... Is that Tuna Argentina? It is, yes. I, I think it looks like this group's all set, to be honest with you, because I think Mexico have got the right goal difference now. So. I think they're both on the same goal difference. Yeah, yeah. It's going to come down to fair play. Yes. Yes. The, the greatest of all awards. Um, and, the, and the thing is, Chris, there's hardly been any yellow cards in this tournament. So. No, there hasn't. Yeah, it's, it's been bugger all, so we're going to have to, have to flip a coin. But yeah, sorry, back onto this match. Yeah. Uh, I liked it a lot because they had a go at the old cruiserweight formula that WCW used to have, which was basically get a bunch of guys out there, let them do outrageous shit with very little psychology and hope to get a reaction out of it. And while I don't think we really got that much of a reaction this time, um, I think it, this match at least gives the bookers a lot enough confidence to go ahead with these guys. And as a result, in a weird way, this match is also going to help change the direction of the WCW Cruiserweight division and, you know, what what it could have been after it died. I don't know, but... So this was like a weird inception for that. Hmm. Um, I didn't like the... I get why they introduced the ladder, but that should have been a DQ. Obviously, there's the ladder match next month, hence why they've introduced it now. And if there was a bit of an awkward bit of a middle where everyone was hitting their finishes, but they were all a bit too slow and sluggish because I think we were all knackered at that point. And it I felt th- like I that's... think I think the uh, yeah, it's a ladder match next month, isn't it? So Correct. that's yes, what, yeah. that's, so, that's one of the IWC classics, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. But that's so that's why they're bringing a ladder with this match to go, Oh yeah, by the way, what if we did this as a ladder match again? Um, yeah, sorry, uh, everyone hits their finisher, but it was all a bit slow and sluggish, so that bit was a bit weird. But other than that, it was actually a very decent match. Not my match of the night, funnily enough, but still a solid three stars here going on. Um, so with this one, three count actually win with the uh, tandem net breaker. Did put ever a solid match with these six fells, 3.25. Mm. Yeah. Well, there's a match coming up next, which is definitely not 3.25. It, it probably has a 2.5 in it. Yeah. Match number three, Jimmy Hart versus Manco. Jimmy Hart's acting injured, isn't he? Yeah, he's uh, claiming he's got a broken leg or broken ankle, so he's got this massive leg cast on. 
I mean, you know, Jimmy Hart's really good at having it up, but bloody hell. This is, this is bad, isn't it? It's, it's as bad as the Spring Stampede match. I don't understand why they didn't just put this on as a dark match before the show, which might have helped to get the crowd really warmed up. Yeah. The crowd actually reacts here, but it's only because Mankell makes a comment. Basically, he calls... So bear in mind, this is during the uh, controversy of the US election in 2000. And yeah. he said... Jimmy Hart, you're like Al Gore. You don't know when to step out of the way. And I'm George W. Bush, and I'm going to put a boot up your ass or something like that. How's that for a uh, nice comment? Mm. 22 years later, thinking, okay, yeah, fine, fine, fine. Um, Milwaukee obviously gives it a big reaction because I think it's quite deep Republican country. So it does a job in a way. Not that I'm condoning that sort of thing, but, you know. Um, match itself, if I remember my review... Rightly, from Spring Stampede 2000, I found it a bit of a guilty pleasure of that one. It was just so shit in a way. I found perverse enjoyment from it. This was just this was just spotless. Not spotless as in clean, as in they had no spots whatsoever. They literally just rumbled around for a little bit. Mankow takes off the cast, hits Jimmy Hart in the face with it, pins him, that's it. It's literally a two-minute match. Complete a complete non-event this time. Didn't he win with like a thumb up the ass as well? Oh yeah, but when he punched him afterwards, he also gave him a thumb up the ass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I thought I was the only one. Spoke about to fair. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. For what one, one, one of my notes. Just why did this take place? As I said, yeah. If it would have been a dark match, fine. But this take is this is this taking time away. This is a twelve match card, folks. And. And I agree there's this and another match which takes time away from another match which I think deserved a bit more time, but we'll get into that. But yeah, this was a wasted five minutes. Absolutely. What's the rating? 0.25 this time. Yay! 0.25. Yeah. yeah. Match number four now. It's for the WCW Hardcore title. It's a return of a feud from April. Again, uh, Vito, Reno and... Crowbar, yeah, champion. Hmm. It, it's like this storyline was all brought up, like saying like Spring Stampede, that that era, and that forgotten about up until now. This whole Big Vito family sort of thing going on, yeah, yeah. yeah they sort of did tease it here and there, then because I think this is supposed to be Johnny the Bull spot, but then he he's out injured because he broke his ass. So here comes this weird guy called Reno with his. Hair and his roidy back, and I, I, yeah, I, I think we said on the last time, Chris, this man is shite. Oh yeah, he is absolute dog shit in every single way. This is very much a case of we've run out of guys to side who've got the power plants. Oh, he didn't throw up during the intense cardio thing that that Sarge um, put him through. I'd have talked Louis Ferru over him. Yeah, 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 absolutely. At least Louis Farouk's got charisma in hell. But this guy, drizzling shits. <laughs> so, um, drizzling shits um, gets distracted by uh, Maria. you got to see her. Uh, Vito's hey. sister. <laughs> with, uh, bad, gets, distracted, gets distracted with, with Maria's bad acting. And Crowbow... 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 Crowbar wallops Reno with a chair for the victory. Uh, again, 
I've said this before, you know, the crowd's already dead. You kill them all by taking this backstage and not having them involved whatsoever. I thought the whole fighting backstage thing had concluded last month. They made a big point of that last month, but now they've forgotten about that again. This whole hardcore thing's dead on its ass. Make it stop. No one's interested. And this whole family feud thing with Reno and Big Vito goes on until January, by the way. I, I, Fuck. I, I swear, I, I'm pretty sure they have a match at, at Sin. Yeah. Um... 0.75 for a match. One star. Yeah. It was another... I mean, uh, it, it made sort of sense this time, but the finish came out nowhere as well. Just a chair to the face, and that was it. Mm. it. It felt like nothing, really. But, yeah, there you go. Match number five now. Um, main event of the flea market, Billy Kidman and uh, Rey Mysterio. The, the, the flea himself, Rey Mysterio. Yeah. What's the height of checks on me tonight? What can I say? It's nice being six foot three. Yeah. Uh, this is the Boogie Nights. Well, Alex Wright and the paid off chronic. Yeah. Tell us the tell us the story of this, Chris, while I just go and get a quick drink. So the Chronic Protection Agency. Um oh, they, the, the acolytes. Yeah, well, I've, I don't know what you mean. I've never heard of them. But yes, uh, Chronic now they're breaking necks and cashing checks. Um uh, they are definitely not ripping anyone else off in their gimmick where they're now paid for goons basically so in a segment before um, this match uh, Disco Inferno wants to pay off uh, Chronic um, the Bryans explain that they can only afford one of them for 15 minutes so Disco goes okay then how about I pay for both of you for seven and a half minutes instead and uh, Brian Adams and Clark are basically like yes but not one second over the minute that seven and a half minutes is done. We're out of there. Hence, we get to this match, which... Oh, my, still filibuster. He must have gone for a piss. Yep, he's gone for a wee. Um, oh, this no, was, no, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Uh, Sorry. That, I believe this match was supposed to be Kidman, Rey Mysterio and Conan against the Boogie Knights. But then, I think the idea was yeah, then, they, they pay Chronic, so it's four on three. But because Conan's injured and Disco's injured, it's got Dad's three on two. It's very convoluted. Yeah. So, um, seven and a half minutes, Chris, in old money, how much does it equal? Uh, I, I did a gadge. Hi, gadge, if you're listening. and timed this. Uh, six minutes and four. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in all fairness to WCW, a couple of months before, if this was Russo, they would have walked out after two minutes. They would have done, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so, it's basically Kidman and Mysterio just getting battered till, yeah. uh, till Brian um, Adams looks at the time like... Come on, come on, other bri, we're fucking off, we've had enough. Yeah, yeah. and then what happens is um, Kidman and Ray Mysterio basically do their finisher, which I think we called it a nutcracker suite, which was basically no, the Dudley boys what's up, except Ray Mysterio does a leg drop instead. Of a I thought it was the Yambag Buster. Yes, basically, that's a good move. That's a good name. Uh, and they just pin Alex Wright, and that's the finish. And again, it's we knew what the punchline to this match was going to be, but it's just so weird how out of nowhere these finishes are. So they basically do a, a move clean as a whistle, but because there's been no heat and no psychology to build up to these finishes, we just pin them. I mean, people in the crowd are just like, okay, then. Right. 
Lex match friend, I guess. Mm. Yeah, it's um, it, it's, it's two weird. Out two, two out of five for me. Yeah, of this match. Yeah. Uh, no, but I went one. To be fair. I just don't think it was very good whatsoever. You knew what the punchline was going to be, so you sat there for six minutes and four, as it turns out, waiting for the inevitable to happen. It was absolute chore to sit through. Match six, another chore to sit through. Shane Douglas and the Cat. Mm. With, um, obviously, Miss Jones and Tori Wilson. That's uh, right, yeah. There was a bit of um, like Miss Jones like choking out Tori in this match, wasn't it? There was, yeah, yeah. So there was a cat fight, and Mark Bannon did his Joey Styles piss take of going cat fight, cat fight. Uh. Um, but yeah, there's still a bit of a fight. Because again, they've done this thing where there's no interference all night. Oh, yeah, but the managers are allowed out there, the valets are, and everyone security. else is. Security. And security. So everyone else, so there's still lots of interference anyway. It's just some people who are allowed at ringside instead. Um, End of this match, uh, after this cat fight, Tori, within the scale, she manages to feed Shane Douglas a chain. He uses a chain on the cat, but unfortunately for Douglas, the cat is actually quite close to the ropes, so his foot's on there. Yeah. And then when while Douglas is uh, remonstrating with Charles Robinson, the cat uh, the cat's handed his red ruby slipper from circa um, summer 1999 WCW. Uh, and, and he kicks uh, Shane Douglas in the head with this rather light-looking shoe and it knocks him out and he gets the win. In all fairness for this match, uh, people reacted to the cat winning. Uh, I, I, I have a close kick out as well. People actually did react to this one. And as such, I'm going to have to rate this a bit higher than you'd, what you'd expect for Shane Douglas versus the cat. Go on. I mean, it's still 1.75, but yeah. yeah. It's... It's just mid mid card rubbish. It is, yeah, yeah. It's just sort of crap that just goes nowhere. It's just goes... It didn't look like there were any build up to it on the you know, like on the telly or we could see. Or... The only build up for this was if you remember Halloween Havoc, Shane Douglas inexplicably interfered on behalf of Mike Sanders to cost Cat his commissionership, oh, yeah. and then they seemed to have forgotten all about it. This build up, I don't know if someone was injured and they couldn't actually do anything about it, but yeah. Match seven, which was supposed to be uh, Bam Bam oh, Bigelow, but oh. you're missing a key bit here. The, 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 the promo package that plays before this match. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's fucking uh, winter is coming, isn't it? Or something. <laughs> Blood runs colder. Blood runs cold. Glaciers returning to WCW. And that, weren't it? I think Mark Madden basically says, Fucking was shite last time. Yeah, yeah. If shy, if you're about to say, I'm basically saying, it's still going to that worse uh, shape that were bring back Glacier. It, it was quite, it was actually quite funny, actually. Like, all, all the commentators just burying the shit out of it. Um, I, I thought it was quite funny, in all fairness. Not the sort of thing you do in a company that's doing well, but yeah, yeah. It, it was it was very funny. Set some nicely Glacier's character going forward as well, because he does actually, uh, he does actually come that- back. And he basically teams with Norman Smiley for a few months. This is all like on Thunder and such. Yeah. But no, it was all right. Match, match number seven, which was supposed to be Bam Bam Bigelow versus Mike Orson, but Mike Orson got taken out in the back. So he's replaced by everyone's favourite table master, AWOL, <laughs> the old brother. <sighs> 
supposedly Bam Bam Bigelow trained the wall, so like teacher versus student. I mean, this is the good advertising the gig for Bam Bam School, is it? Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Hey kids, you want to learn how not to wrestle? Oh um, God, this is a plod, isn't it? This is awful. It is possibly the worst match of the night of that includes Mad Cow versus Jimmy Hart. Fucking hell, that, just that, that bad, Chris? Punching and clubbing, and there's basically a couple of bits where the wall has no idea what the fuck he's doing, and Bam Bam literally have to like push him into like the correct spot and all that lot. And yeah, it's just shite. It's absolutely shite. Um, the wall gets his table, and of course it backfires. But this time we don't actually go through the table. Bigelow just like does a great Lasbury Park and instead of that's it, that's the end of the match. Don't even get to use the table. Then Bigelow um, collapses, which oh yeah, this is this is this is a bit. I, I uh, don't know below the belt for WCW. Um, in a in a way, but I think as we've learned with a lot of injury angles like this, you this sort of like thing it just yeah, it's all bollocks. It, it's it's a difficult one this one because not to make it so more sophisticated than what it is, but we're quite literate when it comes to wrestling and tropes and all that lot. I think the way they presented it here seemed real enough. Mm, oh, yeah. Oh, if yeah. that, you could be fooled by it. And in my opinion, that's a problem in of itself. I've I've always hated injury angles. I've always yeah. hated trying to play on people's actual real emotion versus, you know, suspended disbelief. Trying to make someone think oh, someone's injured for real, and I've always hated that. Yeah. I always remember fucking progress in it one time, which really pissed me off. Oh, fucking hell. If you, if you remember, as I said, this is a bloody... There was one, one at Progress Brixton, but that was actually correct. No, no, it was, it's, Sebastian's was that actual real. So what happened was, and I can't believe I remember this, but I was fully drinking for Progress Kool-Aid at the time, and this was one of my first things that made me think, oh, I don't know about this, actually. So, yes, I listened to Jim Sporman's podcast back in the day, and he did a whole five, ten-minute bit about how much he hates injuries in wrestling, you know, like selling injuries as real. Yeah. I mean, literally that same weekend was... There was a show in Manchester, and if you remember, it was Katie Ray versus Kimberly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. And, and, um, and Kimberly, and, and, and if you remember, it was like with a spot, uh, and they sold her Kimberly's injury as real because like small one like got up and was all concerned and all that lot. You know, it was just like a normal like sweep her, he- her, her, her legs out from underneath her, turn back its back of her head, but the way they sold it afterwards. Yeah, they were doing a bit of a knowing heart with it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Like, like probably Joseph and uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Like, like, uh, like bloody Glenn Joseph getting involved in all that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with that sort of bollocks. Don't know why I just randomly brought it up. Progress, shit. Oh, always was in all fairness. Should have seen it sooner. God, how much money did I spend on them over the years? Fucking hell. Fucking hell. If I can claim that back, like a as a as, an a, as, as an expense. <laughs> Hundred, un, uh, fucking hell, hundred shows worth. Uh, well, uh, well, no, not even hundred shows worth. Probably about seventy shows. Well, you did, maybe. I, 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 I basically did all the non-London shows. 
for about what was it a three year four year stretch had petrol and all that like so gotta be at least a couple of grand i spent on them jesus christ but yeah um what are we doing chris <laughs> yeah i know even things we learn when we're older bloody hell but no um yeah so back to my point i don't like them doing this sort of thing in wrestling and it's all a cheap swerve anyway because in the next match it's like Thomas's general direction just to say as well this match should have been been on the card to begin with it literally it takes time away from the next match which needed the time and they took that out so we could do this thing that literally had no bearing on the finish whatsoever no it literally had no effect it's just basically bigelow ambushing uh morris before the match well morris morris looks at uh bigelow on the stretcher before that as he's walking down the aisle yeah, yeah, but but you literally could have the same effect by uh, Hugh Morris like, having his back turned and Lance Storm ambushing him. He, he, he literally could have been the same thing, but yeah, you had this 10-minute injury angle for this payoff. Yeah. And it was so shit uh, uh, as a result. It just literally had no bearing whatsoever. It just felt really cheap. Mm. Very, very cheap. Um. Hugh Morris and Landstorm, well, general direction, as he's called. Last time at the US title, this must be the sixth pay-per-view running these two have faced each other. Well, three, if you'll be factual. Um, so, <laughs> I, so I misremember this match, because I think I've been saying for the last couple of months, oh, they have a really good match at some point. And it never happened, because this match uh, is basically got cut short. Because there's so many fucking matches on the card, I've had to do the thing. You had to get Bam Bam Bigelow out there to do his bollocks. So I think this match literally goes five minutes and it's over. And he wins with it like, uh, well, it was supposed to be the no laughing matter, but it was just like a moonsault head. But he was, he yeah. Oh, he completely missed him this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a cleanish finish. I, I, I actually quite like this finish, but it came out of nowhere. So um, Major Guns, who had turned Canadian again, apparently. I, I completely forgot that had happened. Um, and took out um, Hugh Morris's legs when he was on the top turnbuckle. Even, even though she'd been kept to like sort of a slave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right, I'll be Canadian then. You'd, yeah, I'll be Canadian then. There's a whole other bit of sexual politics probably going on there. Oh, yeah, she's such a slag. She liked it so much. She's Canadian now, sort of thing. But, but uh, a, a problematic views of like 2000s. Uh, rescuing bookers with women. There you go. Um, so, yeah. It, so, Morris has his legs taken out from him. Storm goes to top rope to basically like pay, maybe do like a top rope belly to back suplex, but Morris elbows him off and manages to do the no laughing matter, which as a finish was quite good. But mm. sadly, this is another one of those matches that we have quite a lot from Stite where it's quite a clean finish, but because there's been no heat, there's been no build up, and in this instance, there's been no time at all to even make people care about it. The finish comes out of nowhere. And granted, this time, people do actually react to the reaction winning, but whether or not that's just because it's more reaction from a belt change, you know, what, I don't know. But, yeah, it's Mayhem 2000 for me. It's been a night of clean but really, really flat finishes. Because they've spent so long under a regime of Russo, not bothering to wrestle properly. That includes like psychology and like building up and heat and all that lot. I, I just think the vast majority of the guys on this roster just don't know how to properly wrestle anymore. Yeah, it was, um, I don't know, another one and a half for me. Yeah. It, 
it weren't brilliant. I, I was no, sort right. of glad. To fit, I hope it's the feud ended now because I don't want to think... see. I don't want to see any more Morris and uh, Star matches, and I probably will get some in the next couple of weeks. Oh God, I just remembered who General Rection moves on to. Do I guess? Go on. I think he moves on to Shane Douglas. Oh yeah. Oh no. Oh no, just when you thought it couldn't get any worse. Oh, Jesus. Match number nine now. Another absolute pointless bag of shite. Yeah. Double J, Jeff Jarrett versus Double B, Buff Bagwell. Oh, I mean, don't get me started on this match. So, they've <laughs> done they've done an angle all night. So, Buff Bagwell's gone, ha-ha. Jeff Jarrett's primary weapon is the guitar. I'm going to go around and smash all the guitars that he owns. Sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. And do you know what the finish is? Um, Jarrett smashes Bagwell with the guitar. Yeah, he just had another guitar under the ring. Well, he always keeps a spare guitar anyway. So, Buff Bagwell just forgot to smash the guitars under the ring. And so, Jarrett just like goes, well, here's this one. Boom. Win. Fucking pointless. Why? Why do all that angle where you could just oh, hit, God, hit it with a guitar? Oh, I mean, good grief. Oh, it's another one. one yeah, star. one, one star. Just completely back, pointless match. Uh, what? What's up? Some great matches on this show. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think this will probably rank up there as worst pay per views, just because it's boring. We've had worse pay-per-views. I think this is more a case of a... It's a failed experiment where we're trying to basically move away from Russo by having these clean finishes. But they have forgotten literally how to put wrestling matches. Or, 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 or the producers have failed to, have forgotten how to put matches together. That doesn't include 18 interferences and 21 weapon shots in a match. So, as I said, it's a transition period for WCW, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so next up, match number 10. 10 matches. Fuck me. Palumbo and Stacey at the champions versus the insiders, um, which is Kevin Nash and DDP. Mm. Eh, who will be SOL? <laughs> I will say, I will say, Chris. Probably the second or third best match of the night. Yeah, I fully agreed. I was going to say the same thing. I, I actually quite enjoyed this one. We um, get the bollocks out of the way quite early as well because so Mike Sanders has, as a commissioner, has this big plan of basically sending off a security home and replacing said security with members of natural born fillers. But Ric Flair comes out about two minutes and just is like, no, piss off. Here's the actual security. All of you are out again. And then what follows is a quite it's quite a standard tag match. But I thought it was very enjoyable. And weirdly, I thought Kevin Nash really brought his game on this one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he seemed he seemed with it, with, with, with it, with it for a change. He did, yes. He, 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 it was the first time in quite a while he looked like he actually gave a shit in one of his matches. He said, he, I, I like me two months with the uh, natural bone thrillers. I've got to I've got to give him something. Yeah, he, he thought, oh, I'll actually put these guys over. I think they're, they're a good laugh, which, oh, fairness to him. I mean, I, I've praised Kevin Nash for being lazy as fuck because as a working man myself, it's an aspiration. But he, in all fairness to him, no, he, he actually brought his game. Um, 
so did DDP, but DDP has always been good at trying to get others over regardless. And yeah, again, another weird finish that didn't land for me. So the finish here was basically, long story short, Jackknife Powerball was saying, Jack, Diamond Cut and Palumbo. The referee starts for counts, and Mike Sanders, as he's still out there because he's got a proper manager's license, by the yeah. way, um, drags the referee out of the ring. But then DDP Diamond Cutters uh, Sanders, then referee gets back in the ring and makes the same pinfall again of the original Jackknife Powerbomb. So just pins, basically, Sean Stasiak gets pinned twice by Kevin Nash. Yeah. Basically, but right. so I felt like it was the wrong way around because it, it cut the fans out from that moment as well because they really wanted to cheer. Then, then they had the like the balloon popped, and then yeah, they tried and then to all, all right, one, two, three. They did it again, and the crowd this time, the crowd were like, oh, yeah, still, but yeah, you know, hmm, two and a half out of five. I did think this one, no, I'd, I'd agree with that one today. This was very solid. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I think I've said previously on an episode, I like the Insiders tag team with uh, Nash and, uh, and Paid. For the three or four months around, they were a very fun tag team. I do remember that being uh, a very much a highlight in latter-day WCW. I did, I did enjoy them. Yeah. Uh, match number 11 now. Lex Luger versus Goldberg. So, WCW... $60 million it lost in 2000. The quiet Chloe making all these cutbacks now. You know, the TV's looking a bit cheaper what it used to. They're starting to fire, actual, actually fire wrestlers know that a lot. The Ross have been slumped, slimmed down. Here's Michael Buffer for some fucking reason. 250 grand. 250 grand. I'll tell you what, I've had his energy drink. Oh, yeah. They sell it at Dub Smith. It's okay. Let's get ready to rumble, it's called. Of course it is. I mean, again, I've got to admire a man who's literally made hundreds of millions of dollars from literally one phrase, but fucking hell. What's he doing here? Go away. David Penzer on his <laughs> can do a perfectly good job. <laughs> um... It's actually, a de- I did put with this match, it's a decent match well for Luger. Um, you, mean, you mean how Luger got in a lot more than what he probably should have done? Yeah. Yeah, he did. I I, I don't think Goldberg should be a guy who should be taken out onto the side and having a brawl there and running him into the rails. No, he's not that type of wrestler. He's, he's all crash, bang, wallop. and uh... He is, yeah, yeah. He, he, even the finish, I mean, okay, it, it gets them to another match the next month, by the way, spoilers. But yeah, he, even like Luger uh, pulling Mickey J in front of him to take half a spear. So he's got a gout clause later on. It's a bit odd. Um, so as this match goes, I love a good Godberg squash, but this one didn't do it for me. Again, as I said, Luger got too much in, and Luger at this point, as I said earlier on, he, he, he looks like shit. It's he, quite clearly abuse of the old steroids and, and is not putting the working at the gym. His haircut, the man's a millionaire, and I can't explain what's going on with that. It's bad, isn't it? it I said yeah. it's very much a blonde dye job, isn't it, now? Yeah, but like the, the back of his hair, it suggests to me that he's not had his haircut for a while, but then 
it's quite short for what it used to be. It, it's in, he probably could it himself, but he, he seems to be in a weird place in his life at that point. Yeah. Um, Saudi Arabia have scored. Uh, it's oh, okay. 2-1, so it's basically... Yeah, I think that's fucked Mexico over and uh, put Paul and, uh, and Argy's through on the like, oh, right. difference. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's a massive goal for them in all fairness. Fair enough, yeah. Um, so, um, what do you give the match? <sighs> One and a quarter, if that. Two. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I normally love a Goldberg squash, but this wasn't it for me, for whatever reason. Match number 12 now. Cage teach strap jacket, uh, straight jacket match, which is Booker T, the champion, versus Scott Steiner. What do you think? Um, I uh, think for WCW, main event was the match of the night for me. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, was, yeah. I think second best match for me. The straight yeah. jacket thing seemed a bit of a, a funny add-on. So... The straight jacket thing I don't think worked as they planned it because I think the idea was they want to put over Scott Steiner as this hawking maniac of a monster, which is, is a good gimmick, to be fair. That was I the storyline, basically. He's an uncontrollable, like, uh, yeah. nut job. Yeah, which, I mean, I think I've said on this podcast before, this, this era of Scott Steiner is one of my favourite characters ever in wrestling, you know. I, I bloody love Scott Steiner in this period. Um but I think the idea was Booker was supposed to like strap him around properly, and then he tore, tore it off from there. But I, I think Booker just didn't know how to use a straight jacket properly. So like Scott Steiner just went, "Oh, I, I don't like long sleeves. I have short sleeves." And suddenly just ripped it off. While the commentator's like, "Wow, can't believe it!" And he's just like, "Yeah, I don't think that's what was planned in the Ageton stage." But apart from that, I thought that, this was I... a proper uh, knockdown, dragout sort of. Fight. I really liked it. It was just basically a case of two men exchanging momentum, trying to get the best of one another. And I thought it worked very effectively as a result. It was like more about Booker T's agility versus uh, Steiner's strength. Um, and in the end, you know, Booker fights finally, but it was it was actually quite a strange rookie mistake for Booker, which didn't really have time to play on because Booker's now gone until end of WCW basically but um, it was a, a, a Booker did a spin of Rooney yeah. out of nowhere and it was just that moment of lots of concentration where Steiner then wallops in with a chair but he, he did did this really weird like bubble bomb thing which, which I thought looked really good but I think it was a bit fucked as well <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that was supposed to be intention but yeah, following that, Steiner McClider and Booker T is basically unconscious. He doesn't tap out. And Steiner is the new WCW champion as a result. At last. Finally, yeah. But I say, yeah, I know Steiner's had injuries and all that to deal with, but this, I had a put about him a year ago, you know. But, you know. Yeah. Um, Paul Linder through. There you go. Yes. There you go. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I give it three stars out of five. Um, are you about three and a quarter, Chris? Yeah, three and a quarter for me. Yeah, match yeah, for that for me. So, um, yeah, it ends with Scott Steiner winning the title. Um, what do we think of the pay-per-view as a whole? Uh, it wasn't very good this time. Uh, I think it, it was valid, the concept of, yeah, we'll, we'll remove any semblance of interference 
unfortunate event there was interference because everyone's got a manager in the valet and uh, they haven't established certainly to the fans and certainly the wrestlers don't know squat about how to wrestle at the minute because they've been so damaged by Vince Russo's bad habits as a uh, TV producer um, but all these clean finishes that come out of nowhere because basically people's hit the move and that's it but there's like no build up to it there's no heat there's no psychology and you have the crowd sitting on their hands as a result it just doesn't really work again a valid idea but you need you need a lot longer to retrain the audience like that and I think they just they fuck it off anyway in all fairness so if, if, if they go back to all the fuck finishes no matter what happens regardless so yeah a failed effort more or less um, I would, I think, like I said earlier, I, I was, yeah, it was plot. It was a plodding pay per view for me. A bit, bit disappointed because I said that the TV was not too bad. Some of the matches, but yeah. I feel like I've seen every combination of Booker T, Mike Orson, Scott Steiner, Lex Luger, Goldberg. I've seen every combination now. Sting involved. Seen it all. Mm. Got a month left for this. Well, the good news is Sting and Booker T are gone, but there's someone else returning. So if you're, are you going to run through the Starcade card as per normal? Yeah, so um, coming up on the final month, thank God. So it's um, Evan Courageous and Jamie Noble versus Kazayashi, Young Yang and Shane Helms and Shannon Moore in the IWC Classic of a Ladder match. Correct. Lance Storm versus Do You Want Me To Be The Cat? Um, nice George Galloway reference there. Yes, well done. Crowbar versus oh fuck me, is he back? That, that's not even what I was talking about, but that's someone else who's back this month as well. Artez. Yeah. Um, oh my god, this is going to suck. <laughs> One point two three. Big Vito and Reno versus Chronic. God, how do you even get there? Stars. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Reno and fucking the two Bryans. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow versus Mike Awesome, two stars. Oh, you've got the most important detail there. It's back. It's back. The The ambulance is back. (laughs) For the star of the show. Not again. It's just like when we go, go, go oh, back to like, you know what, Russo, Russo, some of his stuff worked in April, May. Oh, get the ambulance. Yeah. Basically, go back to Russo ideas as the equivalent of someone saying, you know what, Hitler had some good ideas, actually. But, you know what, Russo had some good booking ideas, you know. Ambulance match. Next one, 0.73 average. General Rection versus Shane Douglas. Oh, God. God. Here we This is TNA of a match. So it's Conan, Rey Mysterio and Billy Kinman versus Jeff Jarrett and the Harris Boys. Yep. And this is a bunkhouse brawl, by the way, so basically street fight. Oh, it's a Jeff Jarrett match again, all over. It is, yeah. It's just basically unlimited guitars. So we're going back to late 99, early 2000 with Jeff Jarrett and the Irish boys together. 
Correct, yeah. NWO uh, 2000, NWO Silver Baby. The Perfect Event versus the Insiders. Yep. Which um, gets a 2.67 rating. Goldberg Luger, 1.25. Ooh, Cake and Sydney's back. Yes, he is. Sid Vicious versus Scott Steiner. This is not the one with the uh, the leg no. No, no, that's a month afterwards, frankly. You do not have to see that if you don't want to. 1.86. I mean, I'm I'm not saying this match is very good, but he is back. Yeah, so you've got, we've got that to look forward to, Chris. Yeah, I'll say it's, I I can't believe we've reached the end of the year uh, coming up as well. It's come quite quick for something that's been so, so pleasurable to watch. I will. I will say we've had. Um, we'll, we'll do a big run through of it at the end, but I will. Think, I will say we are getting to that stage. Like I want it to end. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I'm very much ready to move on to something else now. It's um, it's sad to get a bit grating. I'm to sit there for three hours and watch some absolute shite. Bear in mind, I used to love this stuff as well, but now it's just like I. I don't want to see. This. I don't want to see WCW 2000 ever again. No, no, I'm about to say, I'm, I'm older and wiser now, and I know the errors of my ways. Yeah, I, I don't want to see this. I don't, it, it, you know, compared to, like, WWF 2001, which we did on the yeah. uh, on the old platform, it's night and day, in a it way. It is, yeah, about to say, if, if that had, like, regular four-star, four-and-a-half-star matches on here, we've had, what, two? Goldberg, Steiner. Yeah, Goldberg, Steiner... And another one. Oh, the, tri- the triple cage match I rate quite highly. Yeah. yeah. There's well, not there's not much else, is there? No, no, there's not. So there you go. Month eleven done. One to go. Chris, have we any plugs? Um, yes. Uh, if you want to listen to Cinemarchery, as always, uh, on all socials at Cinemarchery. Uh, we've just reviewed In the Mouth of Madness, which is a John Capter film, and coming up next as well, in a week on Sunday, we're finally reviewing Aliens, episode 125, oh. which is good. Uh, meanwhile, I've got the fuck off Twitter, but if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Chris Wilson Graham on there, with all my other contact details in the profile link. So there you go. If you That's how I'm not in contact with you for this week. Yeah, about to say, if you want to desperately get in contact with me, uh, it's that. Or, you know, get my phone number from somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you followed me at Oggy Part 3 on Twitter, at GCP Podcast 1, or Cortal Star 159 on Instagram. Um, <laughs> I only put the pictures up of the wrestling rings and... What yeah, I was going to say, the way things are going, walking underneath our Instagram handles, nice unplugged going forward. We yeah. certainly are. Certainly yeah, are. Unless we're all going on to Tumblr. Are you going to get a Tumblr again like it's 2010? Um, Tumblr? Fucking hell, I might start. Graps and Claps is still live on there. Really? Nice, <laughs> nice. Hey, <laughs> what else have we got on there? Is MySpace still a thing? We might all end up at MySpace, the way things are going. B-ball, Friends are United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all, all the good stuff. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, there you go. Um, episodes to plug anyway. I've just done um, episode three and four of UWA Wrestling Rampage uh, with a good old Kieran Lafort from Must See Matches and DDT. Had a great time watching that. Mm. If it's it's in places it's bad, but it's quite. I think I'm finding this project very fun to do. Yeah, I got. But uh, because I've never seen it before, so it's. It's all new to me, and uh, now I am enjoying doing it. You, you've seen a bit of UWA, haven't you, Chris? With all I watched. Crazy. I fucking watched it when it went out on live TV in 1999. <laughs> yeah, I, I was one of those lucky ones that had diamond cable. So, yeah, and I was watching all the rest of I could find. And Sunday afternoons, about what three o'clock, four o'clock on live TV. Yeah, uh, yeah. I saw. I saw Big Papa T. It, it is, is gimp golden mask. run. It is gimp mask <laughs> as it was happening. Great <laughs> Between the budget of the trampoline and topless darts, I was there. Good stuff. Um, so that's it, everyone. Thanks very much, Mr. Wilson. Well, thank you once again. Look forward to spending this next month. Yeah, definitely so. This has been a GCP podcast. Thank you and bye bye.